This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted as always to be here with you one last time before I take a two-week hiatus in order to visit the Middle East with my husband. Um, and I'm just glad that we scheduled this trip for a time when things seem to be very, very calm in Israel and environs. Um, I am, of course, being sarcastic. It is always a dicey situation in Israel, but right now it seems to be even dicier than usual. I don't know why I'm leading with this. I'm actually really looking forward to this trip, and, and this is a trip we've been planning for a very long time. I, I can't even believe it, it's here that I'm leaving today. And I apologize for this podcast being a little bit later than usual. Uh, the reason for that is twofold. The first is since I am going to be taking a little bit of a hiatus, I thought I would kind of push the airing of this podcast episode a little bit further back. So it's more like I'm missing one and a half podcasts than two. Um, but if I'm being honest, the real reason or or the, like 90% of the reason is also because it's just been a brutally busy week trying to, you know, all the last minute stuff, getting everything done work-wise, family-wise, cat-wise, so that we are ready to leave for two weeks. Um yeah, um, I'm a little freaked out. Very excited, though. I am going to be seeing some of the the most incredible things that there are to see in the world. We, we're going to see the pyramids, and and I'm going to see Temple Mount and, and the Western Wall and many things that I have been hearing about for my entire life. Um, I'm a little trepidatious that I'm going to encounter sick and unhealthy looking street cats. I know that it's a real problem in the Middle East. And yeah, you know, it's it's something that I was really afraid of before we went to Greece. It turned out not to be nearly as bad as I feared. Most of the cats who I saw were very healthy looking. I did see one cat who was in very bad shape, but but I was able and, and, and this is an older story. You can go back further in the podcast, but um, some people helped her and I was able to offer a little bit of help to the people who were helping the cat. And so that at least was a story with a, I mean, maybe happy ending is the wrong word, but, but a, a good ending, an ending you could feel okay about. I mean, cats get sick everywhere. Which also brings me, by the way, to uh, a shout out that I want to give to one of my patrons from Patreon, Nita Mercer. Nita lost her cat Pouncer this week to chronic renal failure, which is just a very, very cruel disease. Uh, something that I know from firsthand experience. Uh, those of you who are readers of mine, and I'm guessing that is most of you who have read My Life in a Cat House or maybe the sequel to Homer's Odyssey, or who've just been keeping up with me on my website, my blog, my podcast, social media, all the various ways in which I've gotten in touch with people over the years, um, know that I lost Vashti 
to chronic renal failure. Um, I just remember that that period of her diagnosis and and illness as as being one of the worst periods of my life, or at least one of the most difficult. And it was only a few months after Homer's Odyssey had come out and had been very, very successful right out of the gate, which was the good news. Although the bad news is that Vashti became ill in January and... You know, the way that it works in publishing is that you get paid every six months and you're usually anywhere from three to five months in arrears, um, which is a long way of saying that any money that I had earned in December or January from Homer's Odyssey, I was not – I mean, the the money that I earned as soon as the book was published, I wasn't going to get until May. And this was January when Vashti got sick. And the bulk of the money I wasn't going to get until November – um, and in the meantime, Vashti was was racking up these enormous medical bills because CRF is an expensive illness to treat if you decide to go that route. Um, there is also – it is also okay to acknowledge that this is a, a terminal illness and to make the decision to, you know, provide palliative care for your cat for as long as that's possible and and then let her go, you know, release her with love basically. Um, but I remember writing to my publisher and and begging them to to free up early some of the money that I had earned from Homer's Odyssey in in the interest of of saving Vashti's life. I was actually quite frantic about it at the time. And I also remember I was actually revisiting recently um, a story that I wrote about that time in my life called There's <laughs> Nothing Bad Ever Happens in Stars Hollow, uh, because basically Gilmore Girls became my my television Prozac during this very difficult time in my life, because not only did Vashti, not only was Vashti's medical care expensive, but the home care that I had to give her uh, it was just like six or seven pills and and a shot every day and subcutaneous fluids every other day that I was supposed to administer. And for the first week or two, I really just felt that this I could not do it. I couldn't do it. I was going to fail. I was going to fail Vashti. Vashti was going to die younger and in more pain than she needed to because of my incompetence. And and like I said, it was a, it was a difficult time. That I did get through largely with the support of my online community, which was at that time a lot smaller than it is now. Again, Homer's Odyssey was still a newer book. This is all a long way of saying that, Nita, I am so sorry for your loss. I, I, I really do feel your pain on this one. I know that a lot of people listening now do as well. And we all send you our love and and a big virtual hug. And we are here with you and we are thinking of you and Pouncer. And, and Pouncer, of course, was a rescue cat um, who Nita rescued as as a tiny kitten. And those are, are always the, the hardest cats, I think, for us to part with. The cat where you feel like you may have saved this cat's life because there's that additional investment in their life that you have as, as this additional interest that you have in it. And so um, we, we, we know where you are right now emotionally. And, and again, I know I speak for a lot of people when I say I'm truly just so sorry for your loss and, and we are thinking of you. And we also know, I, I think all of us know, right. That, that the pain is of course the, the pain of the loss is, is the price that we pay for the privilege of the incredible love that we knew 
And there will come a day, although it does not seem like it now, when the memories that that are so piercing and so painful are going to be a blessing for you. And I, I certainly hope that I, I wish for you much healing from your grief and, and that that day comes soon for you. And speaking of Homer's odyssey, I, I am all about the segue <laughs> this morning. Um, but speaking of Homer's odyssey, I, I wanted to kind of throw an idea out there to to the wisdom of the crowd, to the hive mind, as it were, and and get your suggestions on something. And and this is a long term project that I'm mentioning very prematurely, um, only because it is an obsessive thought in my head that I just cannot get rid of, and not because it actually makes sense for me to talk about it today, because of course it doesn't. It makes no sense at all, but I'm going to do it anyway, because that's just the kind of person I am. So going back, uh, most of you listening will know that thanks to the support of my Patreon community, I have been taking a series of classes that I, for the last year, um, that are helping me to improve my business of self-publishing my books. And among those are some advertising and marketing classes specifically for authors. I've also been taking some quantitative analysis classes that will help me figure out where I'm spending my money wisely and where I'm not spending it wisely, where I am and I'm not seeing what we in the biz call ROI, which stands for return on investment. Um, and then I'm also, I also had to take an Excel tutorial in order to get through the classes on quantitative analysis because I realized that so you, you have to do a lot with Excel and I knew very, very little about Excel. Anyway, so I've been taking these classes and and mostly this is to to get more bang for my buck with my self-published books. But I also wanted to mount a campaign for Homer's Odyssey. Uh, my reasoning for that being that as well as the book did, I think that there is still more my my hypothesis was that there was still more business for the book to do and that was because the book as well as it did still has not even done 10% of what for example um a street cat named bob did and my point is not to say oh my god that's so unfair and homer was a much cooler cat than bob and i'm a much better writer than that guy and my story i mean not, none of that is the case but it does stand to reason i think that many of the people more than 5%, let's say, of the people who enjoyed reading about Street Cat Bob, who was an incredible cat um, and who I was fortunate enough to meet in person in, in England, that many, it, more than 5% of those people would also be happy to read Homer's story if they knew about it. This was my hypothesis. Anyway, so I using putting my newfound marketing knowledge to to the test I started some very small advertising campaigns for Homer's Odyssey to see how it would do and and how people would respond. And the response to even just a, a little tiny push was tremendous. And it was a heartening reminder to me what an easy sell Homer's book has always been. And And I take no credit for that to myself, by the way, because... I mean, look, if somebody reads the book and they like it, I, I will certainly take the credit for that. Obviously, I wrote the book. But somebody who who sees an ad for the book and immediately decides to buy it the first time they see the ad, um, that is all about the package of the book itself. That's things like like the cover art, 
which Random House put together and and all of the the, the, the marketing copy, all of the things that go into the package of the book. Um, that is really a collaboration between Random House and Homer, who just looks so good on the cover of that book. There really could not be any better incentive, right, to pick up that book than Homer's beautiful face on its cover. And I, I know he just looks so handsome and, and it's definitely, man, that scrolls by in your newsfeed or you walk past it in a bookstore. And, and if you like cats, I think it's really an image that jumps out at you. So anyway, this is all by way of saying that the response has been very good, which on the one hand is great. But the other thing that has become clear to me is that, you know, so Random House, and it's been coming up on three months now, has consistently um, refute not that I've asked them, but they have been failing to print enough books to satisfy the new demand. With the result being that the book is now out of stock. Um, Amazon can't even tell people who want to order it when they might get a copy. They're still ordering it, by the way, which again I find to be remarkable because it is very, very difficult. It is harder than you might think it is to sell people a book when you don't actually have the book to sell them and you can't tell them when they might get it. To have them say, you know what, I'm signing up anyway and you take my money whenever you get that book is unbelievable. Really something I wish I could reproduce with some of my other books. But that that is, of course, a different story. Again, oh my God, uh, uh, man, Homer was was just a remarkable cat and he continues to astonish me um, years after he left me. Anyway, so that's where things stand now. And I do not blame Random House, by the way, because so here's the thing, right? Homer's Odyssey came out 12 years ago, just as a starting place. It's a 12-year-old book. Everybody at Random House who worked on the Homer's Odyssey team, the people who acquired the book, promoted the book, marketed the book, copy edited, proofread the book, designed the book cover, none of those people are there anymore. And if the book suddenly started selling 10,000 copies a week, it would not redound to the credit of anybody who is currently at Random House, which basically what that equals is a formula for, you know, having said that though, somebody would still have to be a project manager on Homer's Odyssey if it suddenly started selling a lot more copies And a lot more copies had to be shipped to bookstores and to Amazon and places like that. Somebody would have to manage that process. It's just they would be doing so. It would be extra work for them, basically, for no additional credit because it's not a book. You know, they're just sort of overseeing the logistics and they cannot take credit for having discovered Homer's Odyssey when it was just a manuscript who very few people believed in or even not even a manuscript, a proposal for a manuscript. Anyway. And that's in addition to the fact that for the last couple of years, Homer's Odyssey has not sold especially well. Uh, I mean, it, it hasn't been terrible, but it is what it is. Again, it's it's a 12-year-old book. And sales have been very slight for the last couple of years. And so I, I don't see that Random House necessarily wants to rush into, you know, rush back into the business of printing tons of copies. And then there's Love Saves the Day, um, which I know many of you are are fans of. I have mixed feelings about that book. We've discussed it on a previous podcast. I do love Prudence, um, but I feel like there are things that I could have done better 
in that book. It improved. Um, but that is a book that also in, in recent years, and, and that book came out 10 years ago, this uh, last month, actually, um, that also has just not sold very much in recent years. Anyway, the point being, um, and I looked this up and it's not a super uncommon thing, but I would love to go to Random House and basically say, look, you don't want to be in the Homer's Odyssey and Love Saves the Day business anymore. I really, really do. Let me t- get the rights to these books back from you. And there are clauses and contracts if a book goes out of print, if it sells you know, less than a certain number of copies within a year, then the rights automatically revert to you as the author. Um, the problem for me is that both of these books sell just enough, even at their lowest sales where I'm making you know, like $1,000 a year in royalties. Um, they still remain just on the north side of that threshold that would allow the books, the rights to automatically revert back to me. So I would like to make an offer to buy the rights back. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Gwen, where would... A cat writer, such as yourself, come up with the kind of scratch required to buy back the rights to your books. And and let me say, by the way, my goal in buying back the books would, of course, be to self-publish them. Um, But there are, I think, so many exciting things I could do with updated revisions. I could write it. You know, I, I do get requests for a sequel about Prudence. I could write another story and include it, you know, maybe like a little chapter or story and include it with the first book, or I could even write a sequel. Um, I could combine Homer's Odyssey. I I could create an an omnibus edition of of Homer's Odyssey and the sequel and Spray Anything, which is more stories about Homer and the other cats. There are a lot of fun things. I could also, and would, continue to sell those books individually. There are just so many fun things that could be done. And oh my God, would I love to have just like one huge blowout fundraiser for something worthwhile where I could sell Homer's Odyssey and and quintuple the amount of money that I am able to donate when I do one of these sales where I say 100% of my royalties from books sold this week will go to X cause. I, I mean, I, I I could make that same offer, but 100% of my royalties would, would literally be five or six times what it currently is. And when I was, you know, thinking to myself, but how, I, I mean, and and maybe Random House, they look, they might just say, get out of here, you're an idiot, that's not how it works, and, and we're not changing it for you, and sorry, you have to wait for your books to fall out of print just like every other author. Um, or they might say, whatever, we don't care, here, take them, they're yours, bye-bye. Um, or they might say, we'll let you have the rights sooner than you would, but you're going to have to make us an offer. And what I was thinking of doing initially was was doing like a Kickstarter or or crowdfunding in some way, which is not something that I've ever done. And it is mostly from a feeling that that I should probably self-finance things that I want to do. Um the closest I've come to something like that is is allowing the generosity of my Patreon community to to finance me through school as I improve my my business skills and and learn how to do new things. 
But I was thinking it could be fun. And because, you know, the, the thing about a Kickstarter is that you're not just asking people to give you money. You offer them certain cool things depending on how much they, they donate. So, for example, at a certain donation level, you could say everybody who donates $5 um, gets their name in, in the, the in an, you know, listed on the acknowledgments page in the reissue, in the new reissue of this book. So when I, the first time I published this book by myself, there will be an acknowledgments page. Your name will be on that acknowledgments page. Um, I think another really cool thing to offer to people at a much higher level um, would be an autographed copy and and it would be a copy, but of the original manuscript for Homer's Odyssey with my editor's notes back to me on it. So you get to see all the stuff that ended up getting deleted. Um, you get to see conversations that I had with my editor during the editorial process. This is something that I offer to higher tier members of my Patreon community. And it's actually proven to be very popular, which I, I mean, I would love something like this for a book that I love. You know, I, I try to think of things that I might like. And then go on the assumption that other people who like the same things I do might also like those things. And so I was very excited. I remember when I thought of that as a benefit for Patreon, because that's definitely the kind of thing that I would love to have for a book that I enjoyed. Um, so, you know, things like that. I mean, I would come up with some other things. And and I guess where I'm throwing this to you guys is to get a gauge of of what kind of interest you might have, but also what you think some cool things to offer in a Kickstarter might be. And this is a very new idea. And, and again, I, I think it's it's several months away, um, partly because I have recently, you know, now, right? So if I want to buy, if I want to try to buy the rights back, I would really want demands to be low because that just makes it more enticing for them to sell it. They would probably think I was a sucker. So I haven't done myself any favors by recently creating additional demand for the book. So I'm, I'm going to kind of let that ebb away over the next few months. Um, I'm also not entirely sure that this, that this is not a half-baked idea. Um, but it is, in an age of self-publishing, it is, from what I've been reading, increasingly common for rights on backlist titles to to revert or to be given back to the authors because if the publishers aren't making too much money off them they they don't care um and you know and it gives the authors an opportunity to give the book a second life as a self-published book so this is an idea that I have. This is something that I am thinking about. Um, and I, of course, would also want to create some sort of a marketing plan and and put more of the skills that I'm learning in my classes to use. So yeah, but would love to hear what, what you all think about that and some ideas that you might have for cool stuff that I could offer on a Kickstarter if I were to try to crowdsource um, a, a buyback offer for the rights to Homer's Odyssey. I just really... I don't want to see, you know, I don't want to see the book out of print altogether, but I also don't want to see it languish where it sells, you know, a couple, two, three hundred copies a year. And and this is really even just taking money that I could make it from it off the table because it, it's a long time now since Homer's Odyssey or royalties from Homer's Odyssey have represented any significant part of my income. Um, and again, just to give you guys a, a sense of the scale, I, I make basically a dollar per copy of the book that's sold. 
So even in a scenario where the book was selling 20,000 copies a year, and it's a long time since the book has been selling that much, um, $20,000 a year is certainly a nice addition to an, an income. As a sole income, it's, I know from experience in my nonprofit days, very difficult to live on. But the point, like, like there's, it, it you know, even eight, eight or nine years ago, when the book was selling significantly more than it's selling now, it was never an amount of money that was making me rich. And so when I say that I don't, you know, but having said that, it, I've heard from so many readers over the years and, and so many other people who've adopted blind cats and kittens and, and such an incredible community has grown up around Homer's memory and his name. And I still think that that Homer is just such an incredible spokescat for the cause of special needs animals. I, I still, you know, I still hear from people who have only recently read his book within the last couple of years and have rescued a blind or special needs cat because they were inspired by Homer to do so. People leave this comment on Homer's Facebook page or send it to me in emails all the time. And so I really think there's there's still so much room for Homer to make a difference in the world, for his story to make a difference. Uh, the thought of it just kind of fizzling away makes me incredibly sad. You know, I, I realize as, as I'm thinking about it, or have been thinking about it over the last few days, that in a sense, I never really had to get 100% used to the idea of Homer being gone because there's continually the, the, this new generation of people reading his story. I'm sorry, that in the background is the sound of, of Clayton clawing at uh, the wall in my closet for no good reason. Clayton, what are you doing? What you doing, little man? You going to say hello? Uh, he's so talkative all the time. But of course, now that I'm recording, he has nothing to say. Clay, man. Anyway, I, I just, you know, I it, it as long as Homer's story is still out there, it feels like a piece of him is still alive and out in the world. And and so I would really, really hate to see that go away. And I would love to find a way to continue it. And so this is this is an idea. It is just an idea. I'm going to have to investigate further. But I do like the idea if I can do this and I want to do this of making it a collective community effort rather than just me. Uh, and this is the time, you know, I, I like days that I'm leaving for trips, I, I really cannot even look my cats in the eye, particularly Clayton, who looks at me with such earnest indignation. I've never seen a cat truly with such expressive eyes. And he has this way of of just looking at me so earnestly. And when he feels indignant with so much indignation, when, when I'm not feeding him when he thinks I should be feeding him, or if I'm paying attention to Lawrence and not paying attention to him, he'll come and he'll sit in front of me and he'll look at me with so much like, how could you? How could you do this to me? In in his eyes, I've really just never seen a cat who could do that. And I am always... I'm, I and any animal can make me feel incredibly guilty, basically, and they do. They do so. Um, they can and they do, and it it is not tough. And dogs with who admittedly have more expressive faces and more expressive eyes. I I was gone or I was a sucker. It was always a little bit easier for me with cats because their faces are not quite as expressive. Um, although I'm still very prone to to guilt and. But having said that, man, Clayton's face is is plenty expressive, <laughs> and he uh, 
as soon as I brought out the suitcase, oh, did he give me a look. And on that note, as I uh, think about things trip related, I, I think it, I'm probably going to wrap up this episode a little bit, make it a little bit shorter than it usually is because I do still have a million things to do and miles to go before I sleep. Uh, so many things before I get on this plane. So I am going to miss you guys and I'm going to miss talking to you and I'm going to miss hearing back from you. But I will be back on February 24th and there will be a new podcast episode scheduled for February 28th. So I look forward to to sharing my trip with you. And again, for those of you in my Patreon community, I'll be posting pictures and things as I go and stories as I go along. So so we will be keeping in touch on the road But I hope all of you and your cats have a wonderful two weeks. Anita, again, I am so, so sorry about Pouncer. I really am. And I know that that everyone listening today joins me in in our our heartfelt sympathy for your loss. Um, Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And I will see you again on the 28th. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cattail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.